0: for all mankind. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show's News of the Week with Jason Cousino for November 21st, 2020. Jason Cousino and I, Eric King Fisk, catch up on space news from the past month, including the launch of SpaceX's Crew Dragon to the International Space Station. NASA finding more water on the moon than previously thought and the discovery of an asteroid that is worth more than all the combined economies on Earth. What should these new stories mean for the future of humanity? What are the moral and ethical dilemmas of human space exploration and space-based industry? But first, Jay and I discuss an image from paranormal hauntings and the life-changing experiences with a local photographer. This episode is dedicated to our new listeners. Crystal Rios, and Crane Harmony, from the group Paranormal Hauntings, and Misty Lockhart from Lockhart Photography. The Fedora Chronicles radio show is brought to you by our patrons, patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the show, show notes, behind the scenes action, and more. Coming soon, patrons will also be eligible for exclusive products and promotional materials. You can also support the Fedora Chronicles radio show and show off your amazing taste and style with new products from Zazzle. zazzle Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. 12.5% of each purchase goes directly into keeping this podcast on the air. The Fedora Chronicles radio show can be heard on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, Player FM, Castro, and Breaker. If our podcast isn't on your favorite platform, let us know right away, and we'll pass along a special gift to you as a thank you. Our email address is FedoraChronicle at gmail.com, or you can reach us on Twitter, at Fedora Chronicle. Once again, here's Jason Cousino and me, Eric Fisk from the Fedora Chronicles. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. I hired a photographer here in the area to take some pictures of the family, because we have not had, I don't think that we've ever had like a... With the exception of Becky, we have not had anybody who is a quote professional photographer unquote take photographs of us. I mean, we've had like friends and family on cell phones, but no, nobody who has a high end camera who actually knows how to use it as well as Becky does or did, um, in a long time. And I, um, I thought that I would hire this photographer who does great work with one of my Facebook friends. This, this woman, Kasaya has these great pictures um, on her social media. And I said, I want, I want that photographer to do the same kind of work, but with our family. And um, I, so uh, Misty Lockhart met us at a park. And it was taking photographs of the family and I together. And then she took pictures of just Carol and I. And when I saw the pictures, Misty took a picture of Carol and I together. And the the way that Carol was looking at me when I wasn't looking at her, sort of like took my breath away. I think I know that picture. And it made me look at Carol again for the first time. Does that make any sense? Oh yeah. And it just sort of put everything in perspective. Misty Lockhart is the photographer we are going to go back to again and again. And I think that the next time you're in New England, I think she should take some promotional photographs of you and I together for the podcast. Um okay. And, you know, um, not anything weird, not anything too, but just, I don't know, maybe she, since, it's, since we do paranormal, maybe she could do some, quote, weird photographs, <laughs> like... Like you do you know of any like um abandoned cemeteries or anything like that you like to take pictures in? You know, something like Ooh.
1: that. Yeah, I, I know a few, but none up in New Hampshire.
0: I yeah. Know, how, like
1: about, they're, how about they're a good hour, hour and a half served by my parents' house.
0: I would be willing to pay her to meet us there and cover her travel expenses. She's that good. Looking yeah. at, looking at the pictures that she did, I'm wondering how how come you're not doing more. Um, book covers and magazine covers,
1: probably for the same reason why we don't ha- we aren't getting paid anything really to do the podcast. It's just a hard time getting sponsorship. Getting, yeah,
0: you know, getting gigs. Yeah, you know. Um, but she is really super talented, and I'm really grateful for the time that she uh, spent with us, taking the photographs of together as a family, then her and I just as a couple. Um, and I'm definitely, Hey, listen, if you're in the Monadnock region, please, please be able to check her out and, and, um, special thank you to Kasaya for, um, introducing us by way of her photographs. Um, so with, with that said, how are things going on your end, Jay? Things are actually going very well, very well. I'm, uh,
1: getting ready for the holiday, of course, going to have all the kids. So I didn't think I was going to, we were going to be able to have thanksgiving on thanksgiving because of work schedules with the kids and stuff like that but it's it's turning out that my oldest daughter and her husband are going to be able to come down so we'll have the entire family we may even be able to have my second oldest boyfriend might be coming out as well um he has he was born premature like three months premature and so his lungs are underdeveloped and when COVID first started, he sees a doctor regularly because anytime he gets a sniffle, it could turn into a hospitalization. Right. So when COVID first came out, he made him, he called his doctor and was like, all right, I don't know anything about this COVID shit. What does it mean for me? And the doctor just told him flat out, if you catch COVID, you'll be dead before we can identify that's, what's, that's what you have. Oh, fuck. Right, because one of the, I don't know if it's a symptom or the body's response, whatever, but one, one of the things that happens and the reason why it's so dangerous to people with asthma is that it causes your lungs to fill up with fluid drastically quickly. Now, this is if you're in that fraction of a percent that is actually in danger of dying from COVID itself and nothing else, and he falls in that percentage, so... Yeah, so he's very, like, he's been out to the house a couple of times uh, since COVID, and he always wears a mask, you know, unless he's actively eating or something. Right. Always wears a mask. So, he may be coming out. We'll see how that goes. Um, Yeah, it's, things are, for me right now, I really have no complaints. It's, uh, life's going good for me right now, and it's, uh, you know, I'm trying to prepare for when... The worm turns as it always does, yep. but you know, I'm able to make all my bills. I have a little bit of money on, and after putting money into savings, I got a little bit of money set aside that I can use for just kind of playing around and mm-hmm. still have things I have to buy for the house. I'm saving up money for preparing, um, to do work on the house? Like I got a, I have a deck, I've got to sand and stain the deck next year got to paint the house on the inside because I don't like the color of the walls. But, you know, just minor shit like that. Other than that, life's going really well for me, actually.
0: That also reminds me of a conversation that I had with uh, two of my coworkers. Everything you need to know about a couple, you can find out by watching them at Home Depot or Lowe's. (laughs) And I'm telling you, and it's the craziest thing, what kind of relationship they have can be figured out pretty quickly at the way that they treat each other at the hardware store. I don't know what it is about Home Depot and Lowe's, but it's especially those two. And how they get along and if they agree and and uh, just what kind of relationship they have. You can tell by watching them trying to make a decision on something as simple as light fixtures or faucet fixtures or paint for the wall or... The, the shape of the toilet lid if they have to replace it. Everything you need to know about a couple, you will find out by watching them. Um, and another thing that I had said, and this always gets laughs, when you are making a decision on something like light fixtures or color painting color for the house interior or exterior, simple words that you need to learn to... to prevent a fight and maybe save your relationship every man needs to learn how to say oh my god honey that's perfect that's going to look great i can't wait to get it, it home and get it done because let's just be honest when you when your wife or, or sometimes your husband has their heart set on a certain color chances are really really slim you're going to be able to convince them of picking another color. And the resentment was going to set in because they really had that, they really had their heart set on that specific color of lilac for the bathroom. And it doesn't matter if you like it or not, because I guarantee you within two or three years, she's going to get it in her head that she's going to want to paint it again a different color. Yep. Just go with the flow. If she has her heart set on a light fixture or a faucet for the bathroom, it doesn't matter. Because no matter how beautiful or ugly or expensive it is, just just let her pick what she wants and and, and save save the fight for something else that's more vitally important, like what truck you should get uh so that you can haul all of the stuff home from Home Depot like save the fight for the truck that you're going to have to buy.
1: Right. Right. And that I think is, that's good relationship and advice in general, because I think a lot of people, everything turns into an argument. Right. Like when my, when my marriage, uh, just before my marriage was dissolving, my ex and I had, we had gone through a rough patch where we're just kind of sniping at each other all the time. And then, I thought we were kind of on the road to recovery when she fell in love with this other person. So, um, things happen, you know what I mean? Um, you can't always prepare for everything, but if you make a big deal out of the little things, that means every little thing becomes a big deal. Right. And you're not picking your battles, you know, let's be honest. If with the exception, like for me personally, with the exception of painting the, the, the room, a certain color, I really don't give a shit about like the light fixture, what it looks like. There are light fixtures in my home that I want to replace. They are very low on the priority of things I want to do to the house. Yeah. Right. There's, there's things because light fixtures aren't terribly expensive. It's one of those things like, ah, if I've got an extra, you know, hundred bucks or whatever, I'll pick it up and then I'll replace it kind of a thing. But right now, I'm more concerned. I have higher priorities for other things, you know, just because of practical need, you know, the light fixtures don't need to change. They work just fucking fine the way they are. But there are needs like I need to have furniture. I have a house with rooms and people want to do things in those rooms. So they need places to sit. They need, you know what I mean? Um, Bookshelves was something I had to buy. You know, I had to buy a sofa. I've still got to buy furniture for people to sit down in. Yeah. So those have a higher priority. And I think as a couple, communication is key because you need to determine what those priorities are. And if your significant other is in love with a particular light fixture and you don't care either way, why are you going to argue about it? What is the point? You know, to make them miserable? Why? For some sort of power play? If you want to have a power play over something you don't even care about means you're an asshole and you probably don't deserve the person you're with. They deserve to be with someone better. You know, you don't get into a relationship to give yourself a sense of power and be powerful. And I think there's there's a lot of people who have underlying issues that they need to resolve before they start fucking around with someone else's life. You know, like currently I'm not dating anybody right now I was in a relationship didn't work out started seeing this other woman didn't work out and I'm like yeah whatever if it happens it happens you know there's really right now I need to be happy with who I am and with myself and then everything else will come in time
0: yeah because sometimes you do have to work on yourself you do need some personal development time um even when even when you're married you, you do have, oh, yeah. to, you have to work on yourself. Absolutely. So, and I, I, I hope I caught your meaning right. Um, yes. So, um, and I'm also looking forward to Thanksgiving for a whole host of reasons. Um, one of the things that it's like I really would like to be able to do on Thanksgiving, and let's keep my fingers crossed that I could actually do this, just shut down all the electronic devices, except for maybe maybe the music player. And just spend time with my wife yeah. in the kitchen. Even if I'm not cooking. You want, you want a
1: dirty you want a dirty secret to help you with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. Turn off your Wi Fi router.
0: Oh. There you go.
1: Make sure you've got your music downloaded on your MP3 player or phone or whatever device you're gonna to use to listen to the music, and then turn off the Wi Fi.
0: Well duh. <laughs>
1: Well, it's a simple thing, but a lot of people don't think about it. You know, you just they would rather say, hey, just don't use your device. Don't use your device. Don't use your device. Well, if they can't, they may bitch about it for a little bit. But let's be honest, you and I both live in areas where power outages happen and the kids find something to do. So, yeah, just turn off the Wi-Fi router.
0: That's it. That's all you have to do. That is all you have to do. Um, speaking about unplugging, um, this image that we have on the show page. And this the, the the title of this episode is for all mankind. And this is for the Fedora Chronicles radio show November 21st, 2020. And this is from the Facebook group Paranormal Hauntings. And um this gentleman Crane Harmony posted this image and I'm just going to read the text that goes with this. Hey first post Took this a couple of weeks ago and just found it in my gallery. It was 2am-ish and my cat was running around the dining room table. So I took a pic of him, like I always do, when he's being nutty. But dot dot dot. Cheers. And and he, he has the original image and then his enhanced image below. And keep in mind, this is from the group Paranormal Hauntings. And I don't know if you if you've had a chance to look at this image again, Jay. Oh yeah, have
1: it up right now. Have it right now.
0: What the hell is that? And describe it for the listeners. Well,
1: it looks like, so it looks like there's a kitchen table with some chairs around it and looks like maybe a computer monitor on top of it. And on the left side of the table on the floor appears to be a semi-solid, shadowy figure. It almost looks like I would I would say it looks like a child playing on the floor, except it's too big to be a child. I mean this person's on all fours on the floor and their backs are higher than the seats. So that would be a very large child or an adult. And it just looks like they're bent over. And as I said, it's semi-transparent. You can see through it, um, for the most part. And like it looks like he adjusted the light levels in the in the bottom picture. And it's a very, very clear outline of a person. And that is that is what's often known as a shadow, a shadow man. Yeah. Um, and again, everyone's experiences with these things change depending on what's going on. It's like your own experience with a shadow man was rather terrifying, malignant in yeah. nature.
0: <laughs> terrifying yeah, and malignant, to be, you know,
1: yeah. To, Yeah, I'm trying to be kind of uh, more detached from it. So it would definitely be considered malignant. There was something unsettling and, for lack of a better word, evil about the presence that you saw. This one, gauging purely from his reaction to it, didn't appear to be malignant at all. So this looks like, from what my experience would say, is this is probably an echo of something that happened, like, I don't know if this is an old house, the, it's hard to tell from the picture, but it almost looks like this would be someone who was, say, mopping the floor, like with by hand. You know, they didn't have a mop, they were just using a rag to wipe down the floor. That's almost what it looks like. What's disturbing to me about it is the head looks elongated, so if it's an echo, sometimes the echoes aren't perfectly proportions, but it could also be that they're wearing some sort of a hat. You know, I'm thinking like maids in the in the 1700s, 1800s. They would have those bonnets on, where they would pile their hair up on the back of their head, and the bonnet would cover it. So it could be something like that. But yeah, no, this is definitely some sort of. I would I would term this a non non corporeal apparition.
0: I would too. Or you could just call it a ghost. I think. I mean, and one of the things one of the things that I I love about this group, paranormal hauntings is that people just post pictures of the weird things th- that they capture. And they put it up on the group and ask people, well, what do you think about it? And it was just like, there are some that I think maybe might actually be fake, but I think most of them are genuinely real apparitions. Uh, or and when, and when I mean fake, I don't mean that somebody is like using Photoshop to insert a ghost where they're, Shouldn't be one. I think that there's like this phenomenon, whereas is like your brain just registers an image and tries to see a face where there really isn't one. But there are there are like it it just looks like a face just because you think it looks like a, a face doesn't mean that it's a face. Your brain just registers it as such.
1: Right. Like the electrical outlets here in the United States. A lot of people see a face.
0: Right. Looks like somebody who's like shocked, you know, like, oh, <laughs> um, uh, I, I it's this is like one of those where it's like you have the cat running around the table like it's being chased. He took some, It takes a picture of it and it looks like there's like some apparition chasing um, whatever it is. So I, I'm going to I'm going to say that I am like 95 percent convinced that this is the real thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're the Photoshop expert, right? Yeah. You can fake this with Photoshop. I mean, given the things that anyone that I've seen you do with Photoshop right. and other people do with Photoshop, you can fake pretty much anything with Photoshop. Right. But I don't know. This doesn't. If this is people, a lot of times people who fake things with Photoshop, they do other things that are unnecessary, but they're in Photoshop mode, so they do it. Right. And like the lighting here, the the lighting is provided. Most of the lighting in the picture anyway seems to be provided by the computer monitor that's on the table. And the shadows all line up with that except for this shadowy figure. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I would. this looks genuine to me. The only problem I have with it is the premise he states is he's taking a picture of his cat, and I don't see a cat in the picture.
0: I think, well, the thing is, is that he said that the cat is, like, running around. Yeah. So, and the thing is, is that right. when you're taking a picture at low-level light, the camera apparatus, whether it's, like, just a like a, like a camera, just a plain old, like, um, point-and-shoot camera, or the camera for your, your cell phone, um, it overcompensates... By taking a longer exposure. So if, so if you're taking a picture in the dark or with low light, things are going to look blurry because the aperture stays open longer.
1: Right. And humankind can't really, most humans anyway, can't hold still for very long. Right. So Head- And it does, and it appears grainy. The photo itself appears to be grainy. So that can happen if you have like a dirty lens or something. Yeah. And, yeah. No, I mean this. This does look like he was not intending to take a picture of a shadowy apparition, right? I mean the way the way it's framed, you, I could see that he's trying to take a picture of a cat. I could see that as being something, and then he captures this, which you wouldn't notice until after you've taken the picture. Yeah, because that's the other thing a lot of people forget is that a lot of times when you're when things like this show up in pictures, the people don't realize that it's in the picture at the time. It's not until afterwards when they look at it, and sometimes they don't even notice it until someone else points it out, right? So yeah, this is. Yeah, I think this is. This looks genuine to me. This doesn't look like anything's been photoshopped or edit added to it. I said anything's possible, but this just looks genuine. So That's cool as hell.
0: It is. <laughs> it's terrifying it it really it, when i first saw it i was like what the hell yeah uh so another thing i wanted to talk to you about mm-hmm. um the launch of spacex crew dragon to the international space station and why it's such an important event um it sh- i think it should be obvious to everybody why this is so important but for those of us who don't know like what it is that we're talking about, or why it is so important. I'm actually looking for a post from one of our friends. Um, I'm going to read this from from Blake Wilson. Um, Yesterday, a privately owned company with spacemen and spacewomen launched into the heavens today, just a short while ago, after they threaded the needle while the machine was on the highest setting ever as they caught up to the International Space Station and docked with them. And now, after only an hour of being docked, they're on board with the existing staff of the ISS. The crew will be suspended in space with the rest of the new crew for six months while doing test missions. We are doing some amazing things with science and technology when i when I first read that, I thought that oh that's that's a nice way to look at it. It's a privately owned company it's yeah. it, it's It's not like NASA worked, worked with um Let's just let me think. Um,
1: It's like like NASA. It's not like NASA working with the European Space Agency or something like that.
0: Right. Um, It's just this company, SpaceX, built this rocket. SpaceX
1: is Elon Musk, right?
0: I believe it is. You know, wouldn't it be nice if we could actually, like, look it up and say, hey, who owns SpaceX?
1: (laughs) Who owns? If only we could do that.
0: Yeah, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. Elon Musk's company. Um and I and I think that people are going to look back and s- look at Elon Musk as being like the Leonardo DiCap- uh, DiCaprio. <laughs> 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 the DiCaprio. Leon- <laughs> the Leonardo. I, I think
1: that's the wrong Italian the, name you're looking
0: at. The like. Leonardo Da Vinci of our era. Because I think that Leonardo DiCaprio is Leonardo DiCaprio of our generation. Um I think that people are going to look at him as being like a renaissance man, except for I don't think he paints. I'm not sure if he paints or not. <laughs> um, But the reason why I think that this is so important is because space exploration is such an important aspect of the modern human experience. And it transcends boundaries. And we can um, celebrate all of America's achievements in space, and we can celebrate all of this, the former Soviet Union's um, accomplishments, and now Russia, or the Russian efforts in space, and the European Union, and, and so on. But at some point, it's like, we're, we're talking about like humanity. We're talking about people, yeah. people from Earth. Because hundreds or thousands of years from now, if there is still a human civilization... I'd like to believe that there are not go- there are not going to be the need for boundaries and, and, and countries as we go out into space. I don't think a hundred or so years from now, people are going to be concerned that Neil Armstrong was an American, or that Yuri Gagarin right. was a Russian. I don't think that people are going to care about that. And it's like when you think about Christopher Columbus, does his, does his nationality come up in conversation? often um or lewis and, lewis and clark where does where did lewis and clark's ancestors come from what, what was their nationality besides american i don't right. think it doesn't come up i think that commercial space flight is probably one of the most important things to come down the pike because now it's not as limited as to who goes to space if i had a couple of million dollars and I was able to fly to the International Space Station. I would. I would in a heartbeat. Um, and I'd like to believe that Carol would come with me. <laughs> I really do. I mean, now, yeah. Now, here's a question for you.
1: Is this like the dawning of an era of, say, I hesitate to use the word leisure, but let's go with luxury space travel. Like, is this Like, is this mission proving a concept that in another... 20 30 years could end up being hey do you want to take your vacation in this luxury space station you know spend a week in space kind of a thing is that what you think this is this is the kind of the start of because so far we've only ever gone into space for scientific reasons no one has there's not been any space tourism until now and now that there's a private company that is capable of doing that, is are we on the cusp of that?
0: I think we are. I, I, I genuinely believe that. I genuinely believe that we are on the cusp of something extraordinary. That's on par with what Arthur C. Clarke and Stanley Kubrick predicted in 2001 A Space Odyssey. I think that okay. th- there's going to be more of a demand to go up into space and explore space and make it more profitable and make it a profit venture, as it were. Because right. I think that there is a lot of money to be made within the solar system. Um, when- well,
1: yeah, I mean, it's there's certainly resources that are more easily gotten, in, well, don't require the destruction to the planet you get them from an asteroid, like mining for certain minerals, for example, can be gotten from asteroids instead of mining on the Earth itself. So there certainly is are commercial reasons for wanting to go out there. I'm talking about luxury, just like, you know, like, well, I don't know this year. What do you think we should do for the holidays? Should we go to Fiji again? Or do you want to, you know, there's that new space station that they put up. Uh, what do you think? You know what i mean right. is that are we on the cusp of that you know are my children or grandchildren going to be having that as an option in the future because you and i have talked about this in the past where you know we have the technology we're on the on the edge of that sort of thing technology wise but we've also discussed that you know especially given the past year we're in the beginning of a dystopian novel where they're explaining how everything went to shit right are we on the verge of that is this where the divide between the haves and the have-nots gets really huge to the point where you have those people who can afford to go on those trips out to the moon and then you have everyone else who is pretty much living a destitute lifestyle in some sort of dystopian cyberpunk novel, you know, are, are we because some of the things that science is capable of right now that we have, like, especially if you listen to I forget who the technology guy is at Google, he's actually talking transhumanism, right? You know, transhumanism is what happens after humanity. Um, he's talking AIs sort of replacing humanity as the dominant quote-unquote life form you know so are, are we building our own obsolescence
0: i don't know and it scares me to think that i actually it it terrifies me to think that machines could replace us and i already feel as if machines are slowly replacing us there are some things that at at, at the factory job um, where i work so I, I can i can buy new microphone preamps and and new microphones and and uh get my pv audio board serviced and whatnot um there are some things that the robot that i work with on one of the, one of the um, stations where I, where i'm assigned the robot does things that i couldn't do as fast i could not do that task as quickly as the robot does Mm -hmm. and but yet at the same time on the other machine the robot does not have the same dexterity that i have to make certain parts fit together like it does a great job if all the parts are perfect the machine can make five or seven of them a minute if the machine is working perfectly all the parts are perfect um but as soon as like there's there's a part that's slightly warped or is bent because that's how it that comes out of molding the machine doesn't know how to how to handle that the automation doesn't know how to handle that if i were to make those parts if you i could make more parts with the warped material with a press faster than the machine could but i couldn't keep up with the machine if the machine was running Nothing but perfect parts. There's this weird overlap. And I don't know if I'm if I'm doing this justice or not. There's some things that the machine is better at than I am.
1: But, but consequently, there's some things you're better at than the machine.
0: Yeah. And there is this, the machine doesn't know how to properly fold a plastic bag and put a label on the plastic bag. And, and put it through the garage door and have it shipped off to where it needs to go yet. I'm sure that the company where I work at now, if they could save a buck with a machine that could do that, they would. And and they would be fools not to. I'm, I'm sure within a couple of years or decades, it's probably closer to decades, they probably could get a machine with the dexterity to do the things that I do. The reason why I have a job is because we can't get a machine that's cheap enough to do that work. So I I do worry about machines replacing us. And I do worry about what, w- what would happen to us if I didn't have this job that a machine can't do. If tomorrow I show up to work and they say, Eric, we have this machine that can do your job cheaper. It's been really swell. Um, yeah. Here, here's a half a year salary. Um, have a good life.
1: Well, let's be honest. If they were replacing you with a machine, you wouldn't get half a year's salary. You'd be lucky to get two weeks.
0: I'm being generous.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, and that is, I mean, that's where, not to bring politics into this, but that's where a lot of people who were demanding the $15 an hour minimum wage thing, that's where they kind of, screwed themselves, is that McDonald's, Burger King, a lot of these places that are oftentimes the kid's first job are now having things done by machines so that people don't have to do it. I think it was McDonald's that was experimenting with a burger flipping machine or burger grilling machine. You know what I mean? There are ways to automate with our current technology. And the only reason why they haven't happened is because it's too expensive to build that into the pipeline. But like places like manufacturing, I have an uncle who that's what he did. He worked on the robots on the manufacturing line for a company in the sixties and seventies. And I've mentioned him before. He's the one that walked out of Star Wars when it first came out because he was like, robots can't do that. And then my dad had to explain to him, this is science fiction. This is not reality. You know, so there is that element. Like I said, that's, that's part of the technology we're on the cusp of. I mean, look at the internet, look at the cloud. We have these these smartphones that are better than anything that was on the Star Trek show when you and I were children, you know? Our smartphones are capable of communications that the, that the communicators that they carried weren't. Like we can do video conferencing to each other, you know? Like every day I work with people the people on my team my immediate team that i work with there's one in ireland two in seattle and i live in salt lake there's a semi official fourth member of our team in maine as well and we connect to computers that are in australia that are in the asia pacific that are in europe you know i mean we're connecting to machines and doing things on them and sharing video of us ourselves doing that in real time. That wasn't even considered a possibility as a job when you and I were in high school.
0: No, no, it was in the idea of that would be like crazy. Like, yo, know, yeah, maybe. Insane. Maybe maybe yeah. 50 or 100 years in the future, but why would you want to do that? Well, just ask Jeffrey, Exactly. Just ask Jeffrey yeah. Tubin why you would want to do that. Um Right. It was and on top of that, and this is one of the things that you and I had talked about earlier this week, not to get too personal, but but working from home is terrific until it's not because so, what's that so,
1: so true?
0: Because the thing <laughs> is, is that you can um, wake up and just walk to your office from the comfort of your bed and get to work. That's great because you don't have to um, get dressed. You can have breakfast whenever you want. Um, you can drink as much coffee as you want or not at all. You don't ha- you're not contained in your car during your usual commute time. You can spend that commute time, uh, quote, at work here at home. You can squeeze in an extra hour or two at work so long as you have an adequate computer and an internet connection. And if you right. need to send anything to your fellow coworkers that that are in a different part of the country or a different part of the world, you can just send an external hard drive or your printouts or whatever.
1: Oh, dude, no, you don't even have to do that. Seriously, there's no. like with the cloud. Oh, yeah. there's There's a network resource that you all have access to. So you just take a file, throw it in the network resource, and then they download it from wherever they're at.
0: No, no. Trust me. There are people who have to send the information. Oh no, no, no. no. I get that. Yeah,
1: I get that. But when it comes to when, like for example, I'm in. I'm a cloud company, and that's what the company I work for does is enable that ability for companies all over the world. This particular product I work on backs up desktops and laptops to the cloud. So if you delete a file, you can go one to the cloud and say, hey, I accidentally deleted this file because I'm an idiot and pull it back down again, you know, and it takes seconds to do that. It takes it's at the point now with like with the product I work with, it takes us less time to restore a file than 10 years ago it would take to look for the file using the search bar
0: on your computer for the local hard drive. It's crazy. I just it's crazy said, how much the
1: technology changed.
0: It's it's and and obviously there's a huge push to improve the technology now that so many people are staying home to work because of COVID. I think that we've opened. Yeah. I think that we have opened the Pandora's box. It's going to be really hard to close. I sent you a link to this article um yes and this is from the daily star uk take it with a grain of salt ai herald as quote conscious by top scientists in bombshell tech breakthrough machine learning system gpt3 has drawn plaudits from around the world for its remarkable ability to generate text with minimal human input one scientist believes it is showing signs of consciousness
1: See, now that to me is scarier than the picture of the ghost that we started the episode with. Showing signs of consciousness. So we live in a very connected world. If they have an AI that's showing signs of consciousness, I mean, that is the start of the Terminator franchise right there. It's a good thing we don't have a company called Skynet. Oh, wait. Yes, we do. (laughs) But that is literally, if you think about it, your cars run on computers. Most people's cars now, if it's built after, say, 2012, most cars that are affordable for people in even the upper, lower class, upper section of the lower class, those cars are run by computers. And those computers are connecting to the net. So your car could be theoretically sent controls by a malicious AI, right? Your computers. There are people who have like food orders and stuff like that through smart refrigerators and things. Hell, you have an Alexa in your house. Yeah. You know, and those things, those computers are especially like Alexa is listening to everything you say. You're in some cases, the smart refrigerators are actually connected to your bank account so they can order food so you don't have to or you just order it right from the refrigerator and then it arrives in your home 2 days later or the next day or a few hours depending on where you live. Now think of something that is undetectable like an AI. Right. Having access to all of that. What could they possibly do with that? I don't they know like... your shopping habits, they have access to all your finances. They have most likely they'll have access cuz most people do their taxes online or on their computers. If your computer is connected to the internet, the AI has access to everything on your computer. Well, anything that's not encrypted right. anyway. Right. But even the encryption, it can be gotten around depending on how much access the AI has. If it's able to log on as you, encryption doesn't matter because it's you. It can do everything you can do.
0: I'm sending you. So
1: a- to me, this is scary.
0: <laughs> it's no, it's terrifying. It is. It was. And I'm sending you a link to something that is also genuinely terrifying. And when you look at it, it's going to take a minute for you to understand. Like, why is this relevant?
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Soylent Green is people. <laughs> Soylent, Soylent Green is people. <laughs> No, it's not so. Uh, it, that's not Soylent Green. It's Soylent milk Chocolate. <laughs> Mint chocolate. Mint in chocolate. green container. Yeah. What the hell we <laughs> <laughs> make? container. What a great idea for, what what a great marketing scheme. <laughs> Name your company after a product in a science fiction movie. You know. You know-
1: I'm reminded of when Ralph Bakshi was trying to get support to make an animated movie about the Lord of the Rings. He went into the people, the office of the people in Hollywood, who actually owned the film rights to making the Lord of the Rings, and said, "I want to make a Lord of the Rings movie." And the person who had, who was the gatekeeper over access, said, "That's ridiculous. Who would want to watch a cartoon about a jewelry maker?" Hmm. So you've probably got some executive somewhere who's not into science fiction, and some guy somewhere jokingly said in a meeting, hey, we should call it Soylent. And the executive, well, it is made out of soy protein isolate. That makes sense. You're a genius, Bob. And Bob's sitting there going, but, but I, 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 I was joking. No, 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 I was, I was joking. <laughs> I, I think thinking. that's honestly like Skynet. That's yeah. some guy. The people who decided Skynet was a good idea for a company that deals with AI probably never saw the Terminator series. And I bet there's a lot of people walking around the office as they're heading out for the day. I'd be back. You know what I'm saying? I know I'd be doing that every goddamn day if I worked there.
0: Oh hell yeah! And there's a company called iRobot. There's. Yeah,
1: I know they were across the street from me.
0: I have, I have a product from iRobot that we call Roger Roger, and... <laughs> Is it the
1: Roomba? Is it the, the, Roomba. the vacuum cleaner thing? We
0: have the Roomba that we named Roger Roger, and... I was
1: thinking of getting one of those. Does it work well?
0: Oh, yeah. It works great, but you have to run it at least once or twice a, 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 every other day. Okay. sure roger roger <laughs> roger and every once in a while it's like we're watching it go and it was just like we're just like roger roger as it's like going around and it was just so like- here's so iRobot
1: is based out of massachusetts yeah when i lived in massachusetts we were in um uh was it bedford i think is the data center i was at and the iRobot r&d was in the building across the street from us and so we'd see like these machines like zipping around because I work third shift. So like we'd go out, you know, just get out of the building for a little bit and we'd see them playing around with these robots in the parking lot when there's no cars there. And they work on a lot more than just the vacuum cleaner robots. So yeah, it's, it's, and this was hell. I've been in Utah nine years now. So this was like 12 years ago. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. I love these ingredients though, filtered water, soy protein isolate, and then you can't read the rest of it. Maltodextrin, high oleic sunflower oil. What the hell is oleic? Allulose, canola oil, cocoa powder, processed with alkali. Isn't that a, isn't that toxic alkali?
0: I have no idea. Well, I I don't know. I'm I'm a podcaster and a graphic designer. Do you think I know? Well, why are you asking me? <laughs> what the, what's Because you're
1: on the other side of the phone. (laughs)
0: Ah.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So, speaking of water. Yes. Water and ice on the moon.
0: Yeah. Because the thing is, is that that is one of the biggest stumbling blocks in exploring space. Because the thing is, I mean, in space, you have to take everything with you. Because there, obviously, there's no. from the environment will you, well, you well, well, well now maybe you can if you're on the moon because you need to find a way to make or extract air and water that you need as a basic building block for life because it is like you can have all of the airtight facilities that, that that you that you can make when you're on the moon. you can you can make all the moon bases that you want. But they're absolutely totally worthless if you don't have air and water. And air and water are expensive to bring with you, just like everything else. But if you can find air and water, and not just I mean, not just the air that you breathe, but all the other gases that you need to make stuff, if you can extract water from the moon, you should be in great shape. Because when you when you have the when, when you have water, you can make all kinds. You could grow plants you could grow you know grow I I don't know what I don't know what it'd be like growing cows on the moon with lower gravity. would they look weird? would they look, be bigger or smaller or I mean who knows we're, we're probably gonna find out but just just as getting to space is now less expensive than it was a decade ago. Now that we know that there's water on the moon, and there's probably water trapped under the surface on Mars. And there's probably more water than we previously thought on other planets and other moons. It's probably going to be cost. What's the opposite of what's the opposite of cost prohibitive? It's going to be cost, cost e- efficient, cost efficient to, to colonize other planets, other moons where there's water waiting for us and other resources.
1: Now, here's the thing, though, right? Um, water is more than just H2O. I mean, it's the it's basically what water is. But like the water we drink here on Earth, even the quote-unquote pure water that we drink from springs and stuff, has things in it. There's microbes, there's um, other elements in it, in it. There's minerals. There's all sorts of things in water, which is why water actually has flavor. Okay? So is it possible that some of these extraterrestrial water molecules or extraterrestrial water will have molecules and possibly even microorganisms that the human body cannot handle?
0: That's not an unfair question because how dangerous is that water or how safe is that water you're going to also have to filter it aren't you
1: I would imagine you know I mean I I don't know I'm I'm asking the question I mean I know when I was in the Coast Guard on the boat our fresh water was pulled from the ocean so we pulled water salt water out of the ocean and we sent it through a a uh, we basically steamed it and then condensed it and if you had pure water which is what that was there was literally zero contaminant water you drink it you have to pee there's nothing your body can do with it so they actually would inject certain minerals and in some cases nutrients into the water so that your body can do something with it because your body processes the water your your hydration your body hydrates from water by latching on to those other molecules in there and that's how you get hydrated So, yeah, I mean, there's got to be something in there. And is it something that is dangerous to us?
0: Like I said, we're not going to know until we actually get a hold of some. I mean, the thing is, is that what also sort of concerns me to some small extent is that imagine like a company like Perrier selling moon water, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you know that's going to happen. You know, you you know, it's going to happen. But the thing is, is, is that is that... And here's the other ethics behind all of this. Should that water be exclusively used only on the moon and for the space program and not being exploited as a novelty product like Lunar Perrier, as it were? What are, what are the ethical implications of that?
1: Well, I'm sure there's going... You're not going to be able to totally eliminate the commercialism, right? Unless and until we find a way of making all all mankind and every person in it, um, selfless. There's always going to be some form of consumerism or commercialism. And whenever there is that, there is going to be people who have the resources to get what they want regardless of what it is that they want. Look at, look at Jeffrey Epstein, right? right? So that's an example of the worst sort of excesses to which people can go to to get what it is that they want. So I don't think we'll ever be able to avoid some guy who lives on a mansion somewhere drinking a gallon a day of pure moon water because they think it has health properties or whatever. I don't think we're going to be able to avoid that. Um, There will be at the very least an underground market for it if the demand exists. So. I think to some extent that will happen. Hopefully it won't be that big of a deal. But I mean, like on the earth, we have the environment which recycles water. So, you know, the water that we eat and drink comes out of us in sweat and urine and even in condensation when we breathe. And then the environment that surrounds us has a way of filtering that water, filtering that moisture back into water that we can then continue to consume. The moon doesn't have an atmosphere, doesn't really have an ecosystem of any kind so water is a very definite finite resource
0: on the moon it's one of those things where it's like yeah we have to be careful how we use it
1: right you know and i'm not talking finite resource like oil is a finite resource because we don't really we understand where oil comes from but we don't understand how long it takes for the earth to produce more
0: oil yeah or yeah i mean how does the earth make oil and it's like how finite is it and geologists right, are, are constantly coming up with new theories on where that oil comes from and if and when it's going to run out. There are still people who believe right. that that there is going to come a time when there is not going to be any more oil underground. There's a limited amount of water on the moon.
1: Well, when you and I were, were kids, they were telling us there'd be no more oil on Earth. The Earth would have used all of its oil by 2012. I rem- remember that. Yeah. Even by like sixth grade, they were telling us that, you know, and the, the hole in the ozone layer was getting huge. So, where does this water come from? You know, they're saying that it's in it's in these craters on the moon, not necessarily the deep craters, but craters nonetheless, because with no atmosphere, there's no filtering on the sun, so the sun would heat up the water and theoretically cause it to just float out in outer space, I guess. I don't know. But how did the water get there?
0: That's not an unfair question. I bet that there are scientists who would love to be able to know the answer to that question. Like, exactly how? And I'm sure that there are theories. Yeah,
1: I'm sure there's theories, but it'd be really interesting to see where it comes from. I mean, there are <laughs> there are marine biologists who believe that um, cephalopods, octopus, and squids are actually a result of a evolution a conjoined evolution of bacteria from extraterrestrial body like an asteroid crashed onto the earth and that had bacteria on it that some of our bacteria intermingled with and that's why we actually have you know octopuses and squids and these are you know marine biologists that are saying this
0: do we believe them oh i i don't know I mean, the idea of squids and octopuses actually being, or octopi actually being alien creatures living on Earth is just a little too much to handle sometimes, you know?
1: I don't know. I still think they're all part of the uh, the Elder Gods. They're all children of Cthulhu.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, sweet Jesus. And spe- <laughs> <laughs> and, and speaking speaking about... Um, profiting from space the final thing that i wanted to talk about and share and we've already kind of already talked about this to a um a smaller extent and i i could have sworn that i put the link on the show page but i guess i didn't there is an asteroid that we are looking at that is worth i believe 10 quadrillion dollars because of it's the plentiful um, minerals and rare metals that it contains. Like it has, this asteroid allegedly has more gold and platinum than all the gold and platinum here on Earth. If I read the article correctly, and it's it, the value of it could make everybody here on Earth billionaires. The problem with if everybody was a billionaire, milk. Oh, if
1: everyone's special, no one is.
0: Right. If, if, if everybody was a billionaire, then a gallon of milk would be worth like a million dollars or two, <laughs> you know, inflation, <laughs> right? Um, do we have the right and the responsibility to mine the hell out of that asteroid? And I think it's called Psyche. I think that's the name of the asteroid. Do we have the right and the responsibility to mine the hell out of that asteroid so we don't have to mine the hell out of planet Earth. Because if we, could, if we could strip mine this asteroid and safely bring those products to Earth and do it cheaper or do it cheaply, we wouldn't have to destroy the environment at Earth to get that same material. Who, who owns the mineral rights of that asteroid? Whoever gets to it first?
1: Well, I mean, that would, that, that would make sense. That's the way I understand the way property goes.
0: Yeah, that's the that's the yeah. Uh, by
1: the it, yeah. Western European definition of it,
0: but the but the question is, is that it's just a rock floating in space. Nobody cares one way or another what happens to that rock, unless as it, long as it doesn't hit the earth. As long as it doesn't hit the earth, nobody cares. Right, but it's worth ten
1: quintillion dollars, over two hundred kilometers across.
0: It's a massive metal asteroid that may have been the leftover of a planet destroyed long ago. And the thing is, 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 is that an abnormality? Or are there more asteroids out there just like it? If we, if we broke this asteroid up and depleted it of all the precious metals that it has, would that satisfy our need for precious metals for decades or centuries to come? Or would we waste all of that material... In a short amount of time like would people
1: have i don't know i mean if it's worth that much that's quite a bit of material you know like one of the things that always astounded me in star wars is where the hell did they get all of the metal to make the goddamn death star (laughs) right i mean we've got the we've got the asteroid belt right between mars and jupiter we have that asteroid belt there could be millions of asteroids in that asteroid belt that are like this, right? And it's actually, um, in science fiction, it's been explored. Uh, There's the sci-fi show called The Expanse. And they actually have what they call belters who are miners. And that's what they do, is they are in the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter, and they mine various asteroids. That is what they do for the resources to be used on earth or the mars colony or even the lunar colony is that is this what's starting that i mean if you look at just what we've covered today ai the um spacex docking with the international space station water on the moon these are the building blocks necessary except for the possibility except for possibly ai these are all the necessary building blocks for us to be able to go out to the asteroid belt and mine minerals from asteroids that do no damage to our own atmosphere, no damage to our Earth. About 45, 50 miles south of me is one of the largest strip mines in the world. And they mainly mine there for copper. But they also get gold. They also get platinum. They also get um, iron ore. There's a lot of side things that they get from it that they also sell because where you find one, you're going to find others. Right. So just in what we've covered today, are we looking at the beginning of, we are looking at the beginning of science fiction. Yeah. As long as we don't fuck it up, which considering we can't even count votes in an election that
0: we've been doing for like five plus years. (laughs) (laughs) My my hopes are not high. I do not have any, any, faith that uh, I don't have any faith whatsoever of our ability to not exploit the hell out of something and waste an opportunity. I I just sort of Oh, we're definitely going to exploit it. I I, I definitely think that, and this is the the kick that I've been on for the past couple of years. Um, When corporations get too large, they simply can't help themselves in screwing other people. Whether or not it's um ruining the local environment like the low like the uh the air the water and and the soil um or whether or not a large corporation can exploit the workers and their customers you have ceos who are making literally billions of dollars a month um during this pandemic and there are people who are facing catastrophic losses um
1: well, all of this is combining, and then you look at like even the the sociopolitical environment, right? You look at the increasing divide racially in the United States, which has only gotten worse. Right. You know, you can blame Trump all you want. You can blame whoever you want to blame. I don't really care. The fact of the matter is, racially in this country, we've take we've taken about thirty years step backwards. We are not a nation of unity right now no joe biden can have delusions of saying that everything's going to be fine now that he's president because now we can unify but the truth of the matter is joe biden himself is a divisive figure divisive figures joe biden donald trump cannot unify people by their very nature okay not through necessarily any fault of their own although It is their fault, but whatever. We are increasingly a society that's divided. It's divided. We're being divided on social lines. We're being divided on materialistic socioeconomic lines, you know, the haves and the have nots, black, white, Asian, Pacific Islander, which is not part of Asian for whatever reason, you know, um, Native Americans, Hispanics. We're increasingly being divided in our country for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Some of them are altruistic, ironically, but we're still causing a divide. You know, I mean, there's, there's colleges that are out there that are saying we're having a safe space just for people of color to, to congregate. White people are not allowed. Okay, so that's segregation. There was a guy who was shot in the head a few decades ago trying to end that shit. Right. There was a woman who got arrested for sitting on a, the wrong part of the bus because of that shit. Right, and now we're bringing it back in the in the name of racial diversity. How does that make any fucking sense?
0: With all of this crap so, that's going on, I don't think it's a good and that's idea. Exactly, it's not a good idea to try and go colonize other worlds because um, of this mentality, this tribal mentality. I mean, the thing is, is that our the our future generations that that grow up on other planets in the solar system, or the moon. Going to feel resentful towards the people of Earth, and vice versa. Is there going to be? Well, of course, there. Is, is there going to be some kind of war between Earth and the Martians? And with the Mar- when I mean the Martians, I mean human beings who living have on the moon, living, living l- on Mars. Living on Mars.
1: And that's that's actually the political premise behind um, the Expanse. It's a great show if you yeah, have to see it. Is a, but it is anyway. It's a
0: great show. But the, the but the yeah. reality of it is, what is the impacts this um whether it's social economic environmental what are the what are the impacts of space exploration and what are the social issues that we are going to need to deal with when we are becoming more divided than ever i mean it's we are into the second decade of the 21st century and we still haven't solved some of the some of the problems that we've been grappling with for centuries, for millennia. And we're going to, we're going to bring that crap into space. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think so.
1: We're also, we're also exacerbating different problems too. Like, for example, we have, we have anti monopoly laws in the United States. And yet we have corporations now that are so huge, that I've, some articles, depending on which conspiracy theory you follow, there are four or five corporations that control all of the companies in the world, either directly or indirectly, Yeah, four or five companies. I mean, this is this is cyberpunk, the megacorps, you know? And as we're increasingly divided politically, does that mean the corporations are going to step up and give people a sense of community and a sense of belonging that they don't find? In their political boundaries, are we looking at a corporatocracy? Are we on the dawn of that right now? In addition to all this stuff that they're finding out there, we could be. Yeah. I don't know. Is that scary? Maybe. Is it's just a change. It could could be good, could be bad, depending on how we handle it. Looking around right now, we're gonna fuck it up. Because if when I look around at this world, I see incre- people looking for reasons to be pissed off at each other. Oh yeah what good does that do? How does that help you? How does that help the people you're angry at? Well, if they would only listen, oh, because you have all the answers. Do you know why they feel the way they do? Or are you just assuming they feel the way they do? Do you even know if they feel the way they do? You know, We're increasingly, in spite of the fact that we're able to communicate instantaneously around the globe, we are increasingly not listening to each other and not even seeking to communicate with each other, which is the dumbest damn thing I can think of. If it wasn't for political boundaries, I could be talking to someone right now in China or Mongolia. Right. Over the internet. You and I could be interviewing someone in China. But because of politics, we can't.
0: No, no. And it was just like, how the hell did this happen? How did it get like this? My son is doing a a personal Report and his topic was um, how social media sucks. <laughs> I don't
1: know if that's the title. Was that, top, was that the assigned topic or did he pick that? No,
0: he picked that. And it was just and social media has gone too far, and it is a great tool to use to keep us divided. And he's not wrong. And I oh. and he's trying to figure out his conclusion, his his closing paragraph. What should, you know, what can we do and what should we do? And one of the things that I did not want to bring this up, I did not want to, but it's an important topic when we talk about how divisive everything is. There are vast numbers of people who are leaving social media platforms like Twitter and Facebook so they can have somewhere to go where they're not going to be censored. And it's not just conservatives that are leaving these platforms. A lot of moderates or libertarians are doing it as well, and it's it's not because they don't want to have a conversation with somebody from the other side. It's just that they've seen way too much censorship, and they have seen too many people be quote canceled unquote because they don't have the the correct opinions. And then we're going to carry all of this baggage with us when we when we travel. And colonize other parts of the universe. And there's a part, there's a part of me, and it makes my stomach t- churn a little bit when I think, I think it's a bad idea for us to go and colonize other worlds the way we are now, because we are still grappling with human nature, we, the darker aspects of human nature. I would love to be well, able to trust. Like,
1: it's, it's like the. What you see in the small term, you see in the in the big term, right? So, like, for example, I'm not dating anybody right now because I'm working out some of my own shit, right? We as humanity kind of need to do that, too. And not society, because society is too small. We as humanity need to work on our own shit and straighten ourselves out before we have the gall to go out and fuck up someone else's society that's extraterrestrial or even spread our fucked up society extraterrestrially. That's the moral thing to do.
0: I think the most difficult aspect of this entire conversation about the efficacy of space exploration is trying to learn the lessons that we had to learn the hard way here on planet Earth and whether or not we have actually learned those lessons and are we going to be able to explore the cosmos without all the horrible things that we have done to each other and others and what we've done to the planet. We did an episode a couple of weeks ago or maybe a month or two ago about um, DuPont putting C8 into the environment. and and. We can't get rid of that. We can't get rid of it with the technology that we have today. We all have some C8 in our bodies, in our DNA. And the thing is is that are we going to do that to other worlds? Can we prevent that from happening on other worlds? Are we are we going to do other horrible things to the new places that we discover? And how can we stop that from happening? I don't know the answer to that.
1: I think anyone does.
0: Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, fedorachronicle at google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing, and for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at zazzle.com slash store slash fedora chronicles the theme songs for the show are royal flush and black cabaret by Olive of music all other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by premium beats from shutterstock copyright the fedora chronicles 2020 all rights reserved On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renner-King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on.